Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 249 with a review of Riddick. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, Carson Patrick and I are going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases hitting a theater near you. Um, so yeah, we've had a week off and, you know, like a week and a half off now. Um, after three years of doing this podcast, the, uh, the workflow that I've used the whole time doing a live record over the internet decided to break itself and stop working and, uh, it prevented us from recording the episode this week. So, uh, we're a few days behind, but, uh, we're trying a new method. We're doing a double ending record, double ended recording. I've shipped Carson some, a mic. We are hopefully good to go. How you doing tonight, Carson? I am uh, not hearing myself, so that's good. That is, that is always a good thing. Well, I mean, it's it's good for you to hear yourself. It'd be bad if you couldn't. But as far as getting a very delayed uh, signal of yourself talking um, from phantom weird signals, is, it's just never a good thing. Uh, it's weird hearing yourself speak because... Especially when it's like four seconds after you say something. Yeah. And then when I'm hearing that four seconds after you heard it four seconds after you said it, uh, then it gets really, really bad. There's a lot of shenanigans going on, and we just thought this problem would correct itself since, like you said, it's been three years and nothing has happened, so... But it didn't. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, this has to be some sort of random ghost in the machine problem that's just like messing with us and then you know we came back after the week break and uh the episode was basically unrecordable and uh we decided to go back to the drawing board and come up with a new system so hopefully hopefully this works carson is recording his end on his end i'm recording my end and my end and then i'm gonna try to put them together in post and hopefully this uh hopefully we don't have any issues with this it's gonna be podcast magic once it's all put together yeah, I hope so. And if it's not, then it's going to be podcast. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, if it's not, then you probably won't be listening to this. <laughs> uh, put, put it this way. In, if you guys listen to the last episode we published, which is our review of The World's End, um, at the end, during when the music's fading out and stuff, uh, uh, there was a section where I wasn't going to edit it and try to resync it together just so you guys could hear how bad it was. But when I got to the editing process, it was literally so bad that I just cut out like a whole couple minute segment of us talking at the end because it, it, it just wasn't worth trying to leave it in to show how bad it was. No, it was bad. Somehow the recording was worse than what we were hearing at the time during the recording. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I don't know what happened. It was, it was almost like we were recording in the dark. And uh, as you know... Neither Carson nor I. Was I was on a uh, distant planet, marooned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he, he was marooned there, fighting some weird lizard creatures. Uh, and, Chris uh, was still on the uh, Necromonger planet uh, <laughs> with Carl Urban. And, um, yeah, I was, like, trying to find the, the one signal. That's what happens, dude, when you get uh, marooned in space. Yep. There, there, are, there are shitty days, and then there's like some other days. I don't remember the line from the movie, but uh, he says, "Are you afraid of the dark?" <laughs> That's my Vin Diesel impression. I can't go deep enough to do uh, Vin Diesel. That sounded like uh, uh, Nick Nolte from Gangster Squad. <laughs> I can do Nick Nolte. Yeah, we can do that one. Nick Nolte as Vin Diesel. 
Nick Nolte as Riddick. There, that's a good movie right there. All right. Well, uh, we are here to discuss Riddick. This is a film that uh, you know, Carson. I, I I'm pretty sure I told you this, but uh, maybe I didn't quite tell you this. Uh, um, you probably told me. I, I I haven't seen the other Riddick films. Uh, you did tell me that when we <laughs> talked about the trailer. <laughs> So, so this this should be an interesting review. Um, I thought for sure you were gonna be like not wanting to review this movie, because um, forever I I tried to get you to watch Twilight movies, and then you were just like, oh no, I can't well, come I can't come in four movies in. Well, I was like, yeah, you catch up. At, le- at least with this, I was like, all right, Vin Diesel, he won't be in a car, but he'll be, like, walking around in the dark trying to, like, kill some mercenaries or something like that. I was like, there, there was at least something in this film that I figured could entertain me on some level. I didn't expect that I would need to know information about the character to understand this movie. Um, so, I mean, really, uh, you don't, but yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it in just a moment, but uh, yeah, I would just say coming in super far in this series um, is definitely an interesting way to watch it uh, when you have zero context of of uh, what is going on. You're like one of the extra characters in the crew of mercenaries who, <laughs> who, 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 who is like, who the hell is this guy? Why can't we just kill him? Yeah, the, uh, the bad guy from Bad Boys 2 <laughs> who was uh, very comical in this movie. Yes, he was. Um, but yeah, so uh, what do you say we get into this review, Carson? Right, let's let's rule this dark. All right, so uh, we're gonna take a listen to the trailer for this film, and then when we come back, we will uh, jump into that review. Don't know how many times I've been crossed off the list and left for dead. So this. This ain't nothing new. Bounty hunters. I've been hunting ready for ten years. He's the most dangerous man we've ever tracked. Bounty's been doubled. I've come to collect your head in a box. Right here! So yet again, we play for blood. This is a man who sees in the dark. So watch out for surprise attacks. What is it? Run it! One down. Three down. You get where I'm going with this. Again!
right, so here we have Riddick. Uh, we have our character Riddick, who has been marooned on some planet for some time now. And, uh, you know, he wakes up in a pile of rocks, and he's going to try to survive and figure out what the hell's going on. Hatches a little plan to kind of draw some people off over to his planet, so hopefully he can hitch a ride back on one of the ships. And, uh, you know... A bunch of craziness ensues. We have some uh, mercenary or bounty hunter or some sort of form of that type of people showing up on the planet trying to find Riddick. We have him trying to find a ship to get his way off the planet. And we have weird planetary creatures that are trying to kill everyone because uh, that's what they do on this, like, arid, desolate planet. And, uh, yeah, so... I mean, it wouldn't be a cool planet without something trying to kill somebody. Yeah. 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 It's basically like Mars without uh, what's his nuts on it. So, <laughs> what Rocket Man or something? No, I was gonna say without uh, uh, what's the battleship guy's name? Yeah, uh, Liam Neeson. No, no, oh, God, Taylor Kitsch, of course. I got. <laughs> it's it's funny because uh, I'm gonna bring that movie up later in terms of this movie. All right. So I'm glad you reminded me of, of that movie. <laughs> Good times. The well, movie that I forgot. I, I think that um, usually I kick it straight to you, Carson, to do to discuss the film first. Um, but considering I had not seen any of the films leading up to this, I'd seen like part of Pitch Black on TV. Um, but besides that, haven't watched any of it. So I'm just gonna go ahead and start first, just so I kind of explain sort of the experience of watching this film, and then you can tackle the film from the standpoint of somebody who you are a fan of the Riddick series, right? I am I am a fan of the series, yes. Okay, so yeah, you'll be able to, a, to a handle guilty it. guilty pleasure fan. Well, you'll be able to handle it from the standpoint uh, of, of a viewer who is the target audience for this film, and I will handle it from my confused state. So uh, first off, uh, as I said, haven't seen any of the previous films. So come in to sit down, and the film starts, and there's no audio. So watching the film... You know, his hand sticking out of the dirt, thing flies down, grabs it. I'm like, okay, cool, stuff from the trailer. And it's <laughs> pterodactyl choking. Yeah, literally silent, right? Oh, and, and okay, cool. The audience is getting restless. What's going on? No sound. Some people are standing up, going out to try to talk to somebody. Audio kicks on. But you know what? It's not the audio from the film, it's the audio from the Regal First Look. Uh, so just for some reason, it starts like, we're like, okay, what the hell is going on? So we watch in. In uh, what's sort of silence, but yeah, the regal first look, and then you have a bunch of people in the audience uh, talking over what's not happening in the film. And, uh, like, it goes through pretty much the first, up until that moment where Riddick decides to take a nap. Like, that much of the film we watch in silence, pretty much. And uh, then they, finally, audio kicks on. We're like, okay, cool, audio's back. And then they restart it from the beginning. Oh, okay. Well, that's so, good. So then I rewatched this whole survival section of the film again from the beginning. And uh, so I'm like, okay, whatever. I, I didn't want to watch that twice. I would have liked to hear it the first time, but whatever. So now I'm, now I'm actually finally watching it. And uh, now that I'm in and I can actually try to just pay attention and not be annoyed that the theater messed up another film because they've been messing up things recently. Uh, as I'm watching this film, I feel like... It is definitely made, it feels like there's a lot of fan service in this film, and it feels like it's made to be the film that Riddick fans may want, 
but is not supposed to be or not attempting at all to be accessible to anybody who has not watched any Riddick material because I couldn't tell what was actually flashback to other films and what was made of things that happened between films. Uh, anytime characters were referencing like, oh, this guy is, and I had my sons and blah, 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 blah. Um, there was just confusing for me. The fact that there was a character whose last name was John's plural, and he kept referring to him and his son at different points in the film. Yeah, I was really they both had the same name, unfortunately. Yeah, so it's like I couldn't tell whether he was referring to him and his son collectively or to the guy whose last name is plural for some reason. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just a lot of weird stuff in this <clears> film, and I feel like obviously Vin Diesel is supposed to be a badass, but I feel I feel that this film is not is not trying to show you how badass he is but present himself to those characters in a way that they believe in the legend of who Riddick is like so for example you know you have the scenes that are very Batman style where uh you know Riddick slowly moves in through the dark and then moves away and you don't really see what happened you just see a guy get taken out um you know like they did that in the the second Batman movie a lot um like it, it feels like it's really playing to the um it's playing to the mythology of Riddick without really... I mean, obviously there's scenes where you see Riddick be pretty badass, but it also feels like it's just catering to people's knowledge of the fact that Riddick is really badass. And you're seeing it from the view of these mercenaries who are just scared because they hear he's really crazy, but they haven't necessarily seen firsthand what he can do. So it's kind of like he... Riddick himself, we start out the film by watching him try to survive in this desolate wasteland... And then as soon as other characters arrive, he suddenly becomes like the um, the monster of the film where, where you're not really seeing him. You're just catching like his shadow or his silhouette or maybe his arm or him reaching across something and then he's gone. So like they they spend the first time completely showing him with no other characters. And then they spend the rest of the film treating him as if he's this monster that will be revealed towards the end of the film um, right before the big climax. And um, like that's not necessarily a complaint of mine, but it's it's it feels hard to it was really hard for me to get into the film because it didn't feel like it was trying to be accessible at all does that does that make sense um yeah i can see that i guess i mean it's i feel like someone could still watch this movie and probably enjoy it at like face value but in terms of like the characters and the story and like how people interact with each other like that is definitely something that requires uh viewing of the previous two movies yeah like i i think that um him surviving in the wilderness and being like oh like this is crazy and him like figuring out the different type of creatures that were there and how he was supposed to deal with each type that was interesting his plan to lure people over to the planet i thought was really interesting but to me I started to check out the second other characters were there and those characters were just talking about Riddick. Like as soon as that happened, I like completely checked out of the film because it felt like it was just relying really heavily on past knowledge of who he was and past um, knowledge of events that uh, he had partaken in and stopped being about uh, this survival on this planet or um, escaping mercenaries. You know, it, it became this characters aware of who he is and what, and them trying to work together to bring him in. And I, and I kind of, um, I don't know, it just felt weird. Well, the 
the only really two connections with the other two films are uh at least character wise is the the one of the mercenaries in this who is the father of uh one of the main characters in the first movie yeah uh which i'll be honest i didn't really get the connection until like after a couple seconds i put two and two together and i was like oh yeah that was uh what's his butt from the first movie um because i didn't remember the character's name like i haven't seen pitch black in a while yeah like uh my girlfriend has also seen the first two. She didn't remember them at all, so she was basically watching it as as if she hadn't seen the other two. So yeah. she was also confused, but I don't really think that she took that into account in terms of uh, you know the movie. I just think that most of the the mercenary characters were just going off of who they thought Riddick was, like the yeah. the legends and the stories of him. Because I mean. He is essentially the villain in the in the Pitch Black. Um, he is a guy that they're transporting who is, you know, he's the bad guy um, who becomes the protagonist. And then in the in the second one, in Chronicles of Riddick, he's more of the, you know, he's more of the good guy. He's like still kind of the anti-hero, but he's presented more as the good guy action hero. And in this one, it's kind of a, you know, uh, throwback to Pitch Black where he is the villain like like you said where he's the monster stalking these people and taking them out um, yeah. and, then, and then the connection to the second one really is uh, that whole flashback scene where he's uh, in the Necromonger that's what their planet race was called and they the whole second movie took place there and he in the end he became like king there he like defeated the the main dude and the last shot is him like sitting on the throne and they pull back and reveal like you know he's on the throne everyone like is bowing down and carl urban is there he's like one of the necromonger dudes so that's why like he shows up and there's these flashbacks to when i guess you know he was doing that whole thing and then how he gets betrayed and everything like that now, now, did 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 that scene actually take place in the other film, or is that some like bridge that, the gap between the two films? No, that was a new scene. That was like a bridge the gap between uh, the two movies. It was just basically to explain how he ended up in this pile of rocks. Yeah, uh, and also to throw in some gratuitous nudity, since they're like this this one is a PG thirteen. We swear. Yeah. Because that's, take- that's the other thing is that Pitch Black was a, a very R rated film, and then the the second one was kind of diluted to pg-13 i mean for good reason though because they got like a massive budget for the second one it was like 100 million plus and um like way exponentially larger than the first movie obviously yeah and i mean that's it's it's kind of weird that like this movie shouldn't exist honestly because the second movie bombed so hard because they i guess they thought it was gonna like take off because vin diesel was a star then um, but really, no one. I think you know this series is sort of it, it has its fans, but I don't think it's as big as like it's definitely not as big as something like the Fast and the Furious movies, where they're just like rabid, you know, eating it up and it's grossing millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, I think you know the reason this movie got made is because you know there was there are a lot of fans of it, and like there was a lot of reaction and. Um, you know, wanting of another one after 
the second one and I guess like they made a bunch of video games and they did well and and you know Vin Diesel has always said that this is like his favorite character to play and it's like a passion project of his yeah. to do another one and et cetera, et cetera. So like this was this was almost like a favor uh from the studio since, you know, after all the Fast and Furious movies became big again. Uh he was able to leverage getting this made. It's funny because I actually read that he did the the cameo in Tokyo Drift um, in exchange for the rights to the Riddick character. Huh. Uh, and the studio said, like, all right, you can have Riddick if you do this cameo in Tokyo Drift, but we're going to give you, you know, a limit on to how long you can have it. So if you don't make another Riddick movie in this amount of time, then, you know, it's coming back to us and you can kiss it goodbye. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but he, you know, stuck with it. So he got this movie made. But I mean, like the, the thing is that like, this is obviously like, you know, they're like, all right, so we're going back to like low budget, like R rated scale, which I thought was a good move. I mean, that's, uh, that's what this, you know, the first movie was all about. And honestly, I think that, you know, I heard a lot of people saying like, "Oh, it looked too. It looked like a you know, it looked too low budget. It was like a sci-fi movie, a sci-fi channel movie." And like, yeah, like I'll agree that some of the effects were were pretty you know bad. They they stood out definitely, like, like hover bikes. Uh, yeah, but like by then I was like on board. I was like, "All right, I'll give them the hover bikes." Like they're clearly <laughs> they're, they're clearly going for it and not caring. But like, I don't know, man. The Superman seat grab was a pretty terrible. Dude, that was pretty awesome, though. At least it was in the dark, and you couldn't really see it all that much. They, By the time they had gotten on the hover bikes, you know, the second go-around, at least it was at night, and they were, you know, covering it up. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, things like his pet dog, and that was pretty... That was something that really... Excuse me, that stood out. You know, you know but, what's pretty funny? Like, those dogs work so much better in silence than they did once the audio was in. <laughs> uh, well, it's funny because, like, there isn't much, aside from, like, a couple voiceover bits, there really isn't much uh, dialogue or anything in those first 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, which I thought was kind of cool. Like, that was, like, just, like, an interesting way to start this movie. Uh, not was not what I was expecting. That's for sure. Um, but but going back to the effects, like I think some of the stuff that they pulled off with the the limited amount of money that they had was pretty impressive. Like I, I think that the 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 feeling that they were going for was pretty cool. Like the that sort of like throwback to like late '80s, early '90s, like campy sci-fi movies. Like, I thought it was cool. Like some of it, you know, looked like they were on a soundstage. Clearly, but like. They're going for it, man. They like they really like kind of embraced it all, and I thought that was cool. Like, I mean, and here's my uh, callback to John Carter. Like, I'd much rather see something like this than John Carter. Like, I think that uh, some of the creature effects in this were like much more impressive than those like giant apes or that little turd pet that he had. Well, unfortunately, in in John Carter. Uh, they everything was supposed to be humanoid. Like they were trying to present these things as people. Like here, you have straight alien life that is on this planet that can really just look very organic and non-humanoid, and just it, it lends itself to not looking cartoony the way the John Carter stuff did. 
Yeah, I mean, I I liked a lot of the the design and stuff in this. I thought it was cool and like the um, and you know the, the the mercenary characters like they're all pretty like stock characters. Like I said, the, the guy for Bad Boys Two was bringing it. He was pretty funny, um, <laughs> but like a lot of it is just you know like standard stock characters. But like it it's fun watching them all get picked off by by Riddick. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I thought it was fun. There's, like, when Bad Boys Two guy finally gets it, I think that's the most like satisfying movie death I've seen all year. It in, is like, an, an action impo- sci-fi movie. It, it's pretty badass, but unfortunately, they put it in trailer two of this freaking uh, film, which is really dumb. I don't know why they did that. But... They did put it in the trailer, but they didn't put like the whole thing in it. Yeah, yeah. They didn't. They didn't put the how. Riddick finishes. They, yeah. they, they didn't add Riddick's flair to the end of it, but they did pretty much show you that death. They they pretty much show you that he was going to eat it, but I still think that was pretty amazing. Like uh, the getting back to, uh, I, I don't know. I just I I like the 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 kind of low budget appeal to it. It it wasn't. It didn't feel like they were. It felt almost intentional in some ways. Like, like I said, it felt like they were embracing it. It didn't feel like it was in, it was uh, coming off as as bad. I I just think that, um, I do think that the the majority of this movie though is for the fans. Like, I think it was probably. I mean, you could probably say the whole thing is for the fans. Like, I mean, that's why this whole thing got made is because, you know, Vin Diesel wanted to make it. You know, another one. Um, so I don't know, but like, obviously your reaction was different. Like, I mean, I don't know if someone else who hadn't seen the other films or was only familiar with the character, like, I don't know, like how they would react either. Like it, it's interesting. Cause it's like, it's a lot different from, cause I've heard a lot of people say like, Oh, it was boring. It was too slow. And, and some other things. And I mean, I didn't feel that way, but I know that, like, maybe compared to some other, like, action movies, it could be, but I was, like, totally fine with the pace of it and how it all played out. Um, I mean, it's not, you know, like I said, it's not the greatest movie, obviously. Like, I, I went into this movie expecting a certain degree of good, and it delivered on that pretty much how I expected. Like, I, I wasn't expecting anything more than what I expected out of the first two movies. And I think that while Pitch Black is a legitimately awesome sci-fi horror movie and Chronicles of Riddick is just sort of, like, the cheesy, fun sequel, uh, like, this kind of has, like, a molding of the two, you know? It has, like, some legitimacy to it and it also has some parts where you're kind of like, eh, um so yeah but like i mean honestly like it delivered exactly what i thought it was going to and like that was enough for me like i enjoyed seeing the character again like i don't really like vin diesel in the fast and furious movies like i I think he's fine like for the role but like for some reason like he just completely fits this character to me like i think his whole like persona is makes this character like I, I totally see him and and i can totally get on board with him as riddick more so than uh his character in like the fast and furious movies 
No, I, I, I can totally see that. I mean, I, I, as I said, I didn't watch the other films, but I remembered of the trailers for Pitch Black and what little I knew of that character just from the trailers. It definitely felt like the correct uh, person was playing that role. Yeah. And, and even even watching this film, like, I get that he's badass. I get, um, I can tell that he's having fun. And like I said, I didn't, I, I could tell from the beginning that this film wasn't for me, not in that I don't like this type of content, but that in that it felt like fan service and like just watching the film, I was like, I bet, I bet if I had watched the other films, I'd probably be pretty into this. But for me, cause I mean, obviously as, as you said, the first one is Riddick is a prisoner being transported. And then I don't, did they crash on that planet or what, what happens? They, uh, I think they crash on it. Yeah. All right, so, so they crash on the planet and then it turns out that like, Oh crap, we're going to get killed by some stuff. And Riddick yeah, there's ha- all these creatures and it's, the whole planet is darkness, and you know, of course, yeah, and, he's the only one who can see in the dark. So he, yeah, Riddick is the one person who is like actually able to help protect everybody them. survive. Yeah, so like yeah. that, that in and of itself is an interesting story. Without really the context for who the character is, I mean, if you just go in and watch this film, you basically have this good guy who's stranded on a planet, and then a bunch of guys show up trying to kill him, <laughs> like. <laughs> you don't you you know what I mean? Like you don't really have this concept of how terrible supposedly Riddick is supposed to be to the rest of the universe. Um, so there's not really it's like it's like why are all these bad guys trying to kill him? But then like the bad guys, you know, like the the head of that mercenary group, you know, he's supposed to be a pretty stand up guy. Like he he's not even there to try to mess with Riddick necessarily. He's there looking for information about what happened in that original mission. So it's like yeah. he, he's supposed to be a good guy. So it's like, okay, well, I'm supposed to be on his side. But the film starts from Riddick's point of view, and he's clearly been either betrayed or something has caused him to be stuck under a pile of rocks. So, like, well, I'm supposed to sympathize for him. And then all these characters show up, and, like, some of them are just doing their job. You know, they're just part of this group that's supposed to figure out what happened. Like, they got this beacon that said, hey, this criminal's on this planet. We better get over there and arrest them. So they're just trying to do their job and get a paycheck. And then you have some guys who, like, are there for their own means trying to earn the bounty on this guy. Like, so it's just a weird, uh, like, mishmash of characters. And I don't know who I'm supposed to root for. I mean, clearly we're supposed to root for Riddick because it's his movie. Um, But it's just kind of like... To me, it's kind of like a bunch of guys killing each other without any context. It's kind of like watching a watching a, a video game, a multiplayer video game being p- played of a game that you don't necessarily enjoy playing. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, even if something cool happens, you're still one step removed from the most possible enjoyment of that thing. And it's like anything that was campy, like I could tell the camp was there on purpose. It wasn't just bad. Um, I could tell anything that was weird that kind of happened was clearly supposed to be there for characters and the payoff knowledge. Like I could gauge from people's reaction in the audience when something was supposed to hit a certain way and when it wasn't. So it's like I didn't I didn't leave this film thinking, man, that movie sucked. I left the movie thinking like, uh, man, I probably never had a possibility of enjoying this to the level I was supposed to because it was made for a group of people that I'm not privy to their background of about yeah yeah i mean that makes sense because i mean it definitely is uh you know it's you can't exactly jump in fully like and i think that what i liked about pitch black was that they did make you root for the villain because you kind of want him to see i don't know it was interesting because like that character is supposed to be a horrible character yet in the end you want him to make it out because 
everyone else ends up being like just as bad of a character and or like you know you become sympathetic to like his situation or whatever not yeah. even that but just it's it's one of the, it's a similar situation to like the first terminator where arnold was the villain and like you kind of like wanted you liked him as the villain like even though you didn't really want to see him maybe go through with his actions you had fun uh you know watching him do his thing uh and i think that in riddick the um that idea of like rooting for the villain is brought back because like i said in chronicles he was definitely you know more of a good guy even though he was supposed to be the, still the anti-hero like he was definitely you know i'm the good guy standing up against uh, all these other dudes and whatever yeah um so yeah even though like that one guy who's clearly there for like information from about his son uh yeah, like you still kind of wanted like Riddick to just pick them all off, and you know that that, that was actually the one thing that I, I feel like it, the film uh, missed the an opportunity on is that, uh, you know, as we were saying in Pitch Black, he's the prisoner and he's the bad guy, and at some point in time they realize they have to rely on him because he's like the best person to help them survive the situation. I feel like this film never reaches that point, um, even up until the very end. It's still like some of the characters against the other characters plus they're being killed by these aliens that are on the planet too like yeah they, they never make the full board they never I, I never feel like they align with riddick and rely on him to get them out like there there is some like bartery kind of like you scratch my back i'll scratch yours but there's never a hey why are we fighting we we're only going to survive if we do this together like up until like right at the end they're still kind of like not on his side yeah, I mean, I like that they didn't completely just redo Pitch Black in terms of, you know, they capture him and then they realize, oh, we need his help. Um, there's actually, I think, some pretty uh, interesting kind of role reversals toward the end, like or kind of unexpected uh, in terms of, like, you just think of Riddick, the character, as this, like, total badass who can't be defeated. Uh but they they, they kind of like switch it up a little bit um, at the end. I, I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was. It wasn't like the the sort of I wouldn't say showdown, but it wasn't exactly where I thought it was gonna go. Yeah. Which is always good. I mean, like I think even if you have like you don't want the hero or whoever's the the lead. I mean, you want to show that like he's a little bit. You know, he's not indestructible, I guess yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Um, which you see that in a lot of movies where you're like, okay, you know, Thor's not going to die. He's a god or something. like you yeah. know, Something like that where you're just like, he has no weakness or anything. Um, so anyway, like I thought that was, I thought that was kind of cool that they, they had that. I mean, I'm, I'm glad like. I guess my point is I'm glad they didn't just do Pitch Black again. Because when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, oh, man, they're doing the same movie again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, that that might have helped me since I didn't watch the first one. <laughs> yeah, but, like, with him, you know, chained up in the trailer going like, hey, 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 like, I was like, oh, man, this is going to – he's going to fucking, like, break his arms and, like, go over the, the rail again, like, in the first Pitch Black, like, pop out his shoulders and then pop it back in all badass. Yeah. 
which he did in the first movie. He does like a like a cool like over this railing, pop my shoulders back in move, and then they're like, "Oh, where's Riddick?" And then he's like, "I'm right here," or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's like, "I am Batman." <laughs> I'm Batman before Batman. All right. Well, uh, what do you say? Uh, I don't know. Do, do, do you have any last comments, or should we kind of like get into our verdict for this thing? Uh, I don't. No, I'm. I pretty much said it all. All right, cool. Well, uh, why don't you let everybody know then, Carson, if you were going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I would give it a recommend from my standpoint, you know, having seen the first two. Like, I think that if you saw the first two or even the first one and enjoyed it or enjoyed both of them, like, I, I think you're going to definitely find some enjoyment out of this one. Like, if you haven't seen the first two, I don't know. Like, I'd still say to watch it, but I'd probably uh, say watch at least Pitch Black before you see this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, like, reflect and mirror image your answer. I'm going to say, for me, it's a pass with a caveat, but I just, just by watching it, engaging people's reactions to it um, as I was watching and kind of the little nuances I picked up on, I feel like if you are a fan of this series, there's going to be something enjoyable about this. So for for me, pass with a caveat. For somebody who's a fan, probably closer to the recommend side of things. Um, if for nothing more, just then to just get another piece of Riddick action, um, and w- which a lot of people have because it looked like it was this is number one this weekend, right? It was, yeah. I mean, it it wasn't like super huge, but the budget was only like thirty eight million, so I'm yeah. sure it'll uh, recoup it's uh budget especially like on on dvd and stuff like i think it'll probably have a higher success because i think that's another thing is that like i think pitch black and chronicles of riddick did more business on home video than in the theaters yeah yeah and i know that the video games are wildly popular yeah that's what i've heard too that they're like really big yeah so so it looks yeah. like it's not quite uh, reaching it, uh, getting its money back yet. But worldwide, it's made twenty nine million dollars. So um, it'll only you know a few more days, and it will probably reach its um, its budget. So I think I think it'll be enough that like down the line, if he wants to do another one, they'll probably let him do it. Oh yeah, I I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's like all those Platinum Dooms movies, like that they make for thirty million dollars. <laughs> like you know, all, all they gotta. All they got to do is show that they can make like $12 more than they spent on it. Right, and, yeah. And it's good enough to... I mean, even if the people who hold the rights, which apparently is Vin Diesel right now, if they can get another video game out of it, like if this can stir up enough things to create another video game, they could make a lot more on the video game than they did probably on the movie, and then that'll justify making another movie anyways. Right, yeah. There, there. I think there's enough, There's more justification now than there was like back in 2004 when everyone was like, whoa, that movie bombed. Yeah. Like, won't see any more Riddick. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I believe that is going to bring us to the end of this episode of the show. So, Carson, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can go online to uh, practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Cool. And people can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com uh, or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you get all the back episodes of the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning to figure out when all these episodes go live. Or you can like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. 
you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send us an uh, email to fans at thespoilthewarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Uh, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Riddick, so hopefully you, hopefully you are all enjoying that. Uh, yeah, ho- hopefully this episode went well as far as... Uh, speaking future tense to the past tense of you listening (laughs) to how I edit this episode if this actually works I mean it seems like everything's going smoothly as long as nothing uh, happens and we try to each export our end of this thing and uploading it to Dropbox works out uh, we should be good to go and I think uh, this will uh, end up working out and also silver lining as uh, I've been talking with Carson and also Stephen Miller since we're all recording our own ends and I'm not live recording anymore it actually allows us to have multiple guests now, so uh, it seems like so far that uh, Steven will be able to join us from time to time as, uh, as, as he gets the chance to see some of the films. So instead of waiting to the end of the year to have him <laughs> break all of our ties. Or, to hear our, yeah. his one opinion on like five movies. Yeah, he'll actually be able to jump in with us, uh, which will be pretty, be pretty cool. Obviously, it'll be harder for me editing to sync up all three tracks, but uh, I think it'll be well worth it, and I am definitely looking forward to that. So hopefully you are too, Carson. I am definitely looking forward. He still hasn't broken uh, the tie of the Total Recall remake. so <laughs> Well, uh, maybe he will be able to, if he's seen it, we'll have to start off the first episode that he rejoins us with, uh, with him talking about that. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Carson, for joining me. Uh, yes. Thank you for having me again. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Sorry, we've been uh, having a bunch of breaks recently, but uh, all moved into the new place. Studios all set up. We now have working mics set up and stuff theor- theoretically, so we should be back to our regularly scheduled program, and uh, we will see you uh, in the coming weeks. Later, everybody.